cancel culture. It's a phrase we've come to use when someone in the public eye makes a mistake so egregious that our culture instantly disinvites them from public influence and discourse. We might think of it almost like a secular version of excommunication. But how should we be thinking about this phenomenon as Christians? And how should we respond when Christians in the public eye are sometimes the ones being canceled? Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. You know, scandals involving public figures, they're hardly anything new. We can even find them in the pages of scripture with King David's adultery with Bathsheba and the arranged killing of her husband Uriah. That comes to mind. And contemporary history is similarly full of indiscretions by leaders and entertainers, whether alleged or proven. What's changed in the last decade or so, though, is the Internet's role in quickly communicating these alleged indiscretions and the speed with which someone who's been accused, either fairly or unfairly, can suddenly find his or her career canceled. So we're going to talk about that today, especially as it relates to our response to Christian entertainers and influencers accused of improprieties or immoral behaviors including the recent example of the popular Christian comedian, John Christ. Well, joining me for our conversation today are Jonathan McKee, Paul AC, and Kristen Smith. Well, regular listeners of the Plugged In Show know that we usually like to start our conversations with something light, fun, personal, related to each week's topic. But this week's topic doesn't really lend itself to anything that's light, fun, or personal, because we're talking about how we respond when people with influence, people we look up to, fail in significant ways. Often, though not always, those failures involve alleged sexual indiscretions. But there's also a bigger conversation here because to me it feels as if our culture has become increasingly quick to judge, to cancel public figures who may take a perceived or an unpopular misstep publicly, often by saying something in earnest that runs counter to the prevailing social orthodoxy that's enforcing norms on what's acceptable and what isn't. So while the vast majority of us aren't celebrities and don't have a huge public platform to communicate, I wonder how this cancel culture mentality as it relates to public figures is trickling down to the rest of us, potentially in unhealthy ways. And I've got a story I'm going to share on that a little bit later. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to start with a bit of a case study. Christian comedian John Christ. Last November, the Christian publication Charisma published a a pretty well-documented expose about Christ's alleged sexual misconduct with multiple fans. In response, he admitted that he had indeed wrestled with, quote, sexual sin and addiction. He stepped completely out of the limelight for about eight months. And then on July 15th, he posted an apology and began to talk about his recovery process. And even though his satirical videos often poke fun at Christian hypocrisy, he confessed, quote, the biggest hypocrite was me. So what responses have you seen regarding John Chris's attempt to take responsibility and re-enter public life? And what do you think of those responses? So I I love John Christ. I've been keeping up with his Instagram <laughs> account. I think he's hilarious. Um, and one of the things that he said was he actually thought that Christians would have like dealt the hardest hammer 
and completely canceled him out. But he said he's gotten a ton of private like DMs and messages that have just said, hey, we're praying for you. We're super excited you're back. We hope you're better. Um, hmm. So that's kind of what I've seen. Hmm. Well, it's interesting that he chose, and I don't know, I, I, I've, I'm not judging this. I just find it intriguing that he chose to, in his kind of new comedy thing, you know, he kind of poked fun at cancel culture actually with with that video i'm wildly triggered you know and he's walking around walmart <laughs> which was really and, funny and, yeah and so he's walking around walmart and he's like you know making fun of everything all kinds of products you know rebel ice cream and orville redenbacher and i mean i guess you got to see it but but it, i don't know i i i think you know it, I, you know it'll be interesting to see and i again i i, I got to be careful because i don't want to make any judgments i just don't think i probably would have done that because in an area like like when I look back at my parenting and my kids are in the house now but I made a lot of parenting mistakes and I I actually have so much regret and guilt about the ways I did certain things and hmm. and um and whenever I talk about that and whenever people even ask me parenting questions it's like man here's here's what I wish I wouldn't have done mm -hmm. and it's I I guess I I'm very careful I don't try to joke to you know I don't joke about my stupidity about how dumb I was because because it makes it's light not of it. funny. Yeah, it's not funny. Hmm. And um, so it's it's tough. I mean, so as a as a very imperfect guy, um, you know, who probably should be canceled, uh, you know, yeah, I think I think we gotta be careful. So I, <laughs> I I guess I was a little surprised, but I'm glad he's funny and that's what he does. And yeah. he's kind of at least talking about it. and everything he has said, I mean, when it first happened, he always was like, I, you know, point the fingers at no one but myself. So kudos for him for owning up yeah there was um, a clear taking responsibility there yeah that's a huge difference yeah. from i think what we've seen especially in the me too movement where all these men that are being accused don't apologize they defend themselves and they double up on lawyers because they're going to turn they're going to flip the script so i think it's really interesting that he's saying like i am very sorry for what i did and i'm going to own up for this hmm. i also think that that and i'm just gonna i am just gonna be painfully honest here. I think that there is an extra level of grace shown to someone like John Christ because he is funny, mm. because he is disarmingly funny, and because I think he's become such a, a such a favorite of Christian subculture that, that really appreciates what he does. Mm. Um, when I was a reporter, I covered a lot of a lot of pastors who had fallen from grace. And for me, it was very interesting to watch how um, their own congregations and how the public at large dealt with their indiscretions. Some of which, some of which were very large. Yeah. Um, and and the sort of rehabilitation process that that sort of followed suit. Um, it's not very uniform how we treat these people. Mm -mm. And yeah, I I word. wrestle with that sometimes. Well, and I'll be honest too. I think that my my response to what Chris had to say in July was what I might call hopeful skepticism. I wanted to receive what he was saying at face value. I really want to believe that he is going through a process of restoration, of repentance, of change. Um, and I there was another part of my voice that, internally just said, I guess we'll see. Uh, because I don't, you know, like you were saying, Paul, what does restoration even look like? I don't think there's a one size fits all kind of template 
but I think that there is a process of taking responsibility. And I think he has said the right things. I don't know what's going on in his heart. The thing I found myself hoping was, I hope that as he receives grace, he's not just receiving well wishes from fans, but that he has some people that are walking with him closely where there is a level of um, accountability, a level of honesty and discipleship. Because I think that that is key to genuine biblical restoration. Uh, and, And so I, but I don't know. And and I don't know if it's appropriate for him to talk about it. I don't know that he is beholden to us to go into that much detail. But I found myself thinking, it's been eight months. It's not very long. And I'm kind of holding my breath to see what happens from here. I think that's a fascinating concept because I hear you. And I could could go really deep on this. But I, I my first initial thought is, man, I'm glad Jesus doesn't do that. I'm really glad God doesn't do that to us. I'm I very serious. I was looking serious. for ways to not be like Jesus today. No, I know. I, no, I'm just personally, I like if I dig into my past and my past was put in front of everyone's eyes, I'd be canceled out for the rest of my life. I mean, really. Wow. That's a great point. I would. Me, me too. I would probably be ahead of you. But in there's line. so much grace and, and God doesn't say, man, I heard you. But I'm going to give you the next few months to make sure you're really serious. And, <laughs> That's and, a great point. And we're not going to put you on this track until I really figure that out. Now, does it mean that people, um, of course, you're probably going to have to deal with the consequences of your actions. Like that is yeah, We're going justice. to talk more about that yeah, too. But that's not what the Lord does. Hmm. Kristen, I'm so glad you said it because, I mean, we, we just, we see that clearly in scripture, we see people who had been canceled. I mean, Zacchaeus had clearly been canceled. I mean, nobody wanted to talk to this guy. He'd ripped off everybody there. And he, I don't think had even repented yet. Yeah. And Jesus is like, let's go to dinner. You know, uh, John four, the woman at the well, you know, uh, for sure she had been canceled and Jesus goes, you know, and talks to her when like nobody was talking to her and she was kind of going, probably going at that time because no one wanted to be with her and she had this bad past and this, you know, but he's just talking with her and he's even saying, Hey, you know what? Um, I'm here to, you know, redeem you and change you. And she got so excited about it. She went and told all her friends. So, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. When we see this and and it's sad because we don't always see that as a church. I think at the times where I've blown it and, people in the church who just, Jonathan, how can I help you? Let's meet, let's do this. And I just, it's so nice when people reflect Christ like that. Cause it, as an imperfect guy, you know, I tell you, it, you know, I, man, you know, you look at the way people are treated in a public eye. It, it is so nice to have people around you who treat you like Jesus does. We have a lot of Christian needs where we say, you know, we don't, ex- don't expect the world to not be the world, but now the world expects the world not to be the world. Right. Like, Hmm. that's very interesting to me. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. Like, here we have all of these issues and everyone's sins put on blast. But if you were to take the same (laughs) reporters who put this stuff on blast and you looked into their lives, they wouldn't be able to be reporters anymore. So I would just tread really carefully. Well, and some of this stuff is like surprising. Like, I don't know about you guys, but when when I saw J.K. Rowling starting to get blast, you know, the the world loves J.K. Rowling and, 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 and there's probably a lot of Christians who aren't even J.K. Rowling fans. But I mean, she, everybody loves, you know, I mean, Harry Potter and all this stuff. And, you know, so when she said a couple of things and she started getting blasted, I was kind of like, 
wow, there's no one is safe. <laughs> you yeah. know? I, and, mean, I thought that was really interesting. And that's a great segue. Um, I think at least in part, the cancel culture phenomena has grown out of a, a sense that certain people, frequently men, have been able to get away with horrible behavior with impunity for a long time. And now with things like the Me Too movement, there's a reckoning happening. There's a needed corrective because many of those who've behaved despicably uh, are rightly being held accountable and there's justice. And there's a moral indignation and a desire for that justice when it comes to figures like Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein, who've been convicted of assaulting women for decades. But this trend has also left me wondering, you know, what about other ways that people fail or perceive to fail? You know, is there a chance for redemption? And how do we think through what's necessary for that opportunity for redemption for those in the public eye? And so with those questions in mind, and we've already started talking about this, but how do you think our Christian faith should influence the way we respond to entertainers or influencers when they fail? You know... It's a great question. It's a fantastic question. And and <laughs> it's something that I wrestle with because as as followers of Christ, I know that we always are supposed to hold that depiction of Christ in our hands. Perfect grace, perfect justice. What you see with sort of the cancel culture movement seems to be this this desire for justice, Hmm. right? Yeah. It's trying to hold people accountable for stuff that they have done Mm -hmm. that is not right. It is not right what they've done. Yeah. There's not really a cultural mechanism for grace. Hmm. And I I believe that that some of that is just because they don't have a very good biblical and of course they wouldn't have a very good biblical model of what restoration looks like. Hmm. The process of confession, the process of of trying to to make amends for your mistake you know i i i believe that that some of that is important in this time when we're talking about rehabilitating others and and putting them back in the public eye yeah you know in scripture we see that jesus was full of truth and grace and i think that this is a it's a paradigm that is so hard for us to completely grasp because sometimes those two things feel like they're intention, but Jesus walked that tension of, I think, taking sin seriously. And even the woman, you know, caught in adultery, mm-hmm. you know, after everybody dropped their rocks and went away. And why aren't they talking about the guy? But go ahead. It's <laughs> a fair question. The, the guy was also the woman caught. caught in adultery. Was she by herself? But go ahead. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> the couple caught in adultery and the woman who mm-hmm. was held accountable unfairly. Yep. Okay. We need a new, a new <laughs> tagline in our Hashtag Bible. Hashtag me too, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, Jesus says, neither were those who condemn you, yeah. you know, they're gone. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. And so there's this, this tension between yeah. um, wanting to remove people from the sin and yet without condemning them. Uh, and I agree with you, Paul. I think it, it's hard It's hard for us as Christians to get our mind around that. And I think it's even harder for our mainstream secular culture to do it. I think it's really easy to say, it's really easy to be like, well, Jesus has forgiven us, so we must forgive other people. We know that. We know that we're supposed to do that. But walking in forgiveness, I mean, I have a bunch of people in my own personal life, but it's like, how do you walk that out well, still showing them grace for the things that they've done? 
um, and still like keeping the relationship intact if you can. And so Lecrae actually has his new album. Um, he has this song called restore me in these lines. It says, use all this pain, use all this hurt to grow me. If that's what it takes to know what I'm worth, restore me. So I think that's super interesting because we talk about restoration and a lot of what Jesus was doing was he was getting to the heart of the people saying, I see you and I'm not expecting you to be perfect, but let's work toward restoration, you know? Hmm. And I always wonder what restoration looks like. It, does restoration always mean being put back to where you were? Ah, that's right. good. If, if you look at someone like Bill Cosby, if he completely repented, if he showed biblical you know, repentance for what he did, yeah. does that we can forgive him and we should forgive him for, for, you know, the Bible asks us to forgive what he did, but does that mean that he gets his platform right. to continue to speak and to continue to, to make the living that he did? Well, okay. I think one of the things we sometimes confuse as Christians is forgiveness and consequences, that we can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for their choices. And, and we can even extend grace to somebody and God can, can forgive them but there still may be, you know, restitution that needs to be done. And even with David and Bathsheba, which I mentioned earlier, um, years ago, I had a Bible study where we read through David's entire story. Such a hard one. In one sitting. And, you know, we talk about David as a man after God's own heart, and we sort of lift him up as the example of, Mm -hmm. you know, he was an adulterer and murderer and God forgave him. That's true. But his baby died. God did forgive him. His baby died, but as you read the whole story, what becomes apparent is the consequences of David's choices went out in every direction. For the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. And so he, you know, he tasked Joab to set Uriah up to get killed. And after that, every time somebody comes against David, Joab takes them out. It's almost like he unleashed this murderous thing in Joab. And I, and I know I'm a ways away here from my, what's the point. The point is David continued to experience tremendous consequences for his choices for the rest of his life. And so again, there's that tension of there may be forgiveness and there may be grace, but there are also consequences. I, so no, I think that I hear you and that's very true. I think the, the issue here is that the whole world wants to make sure that someone never gets freed from it, right? And someone, you never get to move from this spot. And now it's the entire world that's making sure. I think a lot of David's was natural consequence. This is what happened. Um, But we're going a step further from natural consequence and saying, we're going to make it happen. And this will never, you know, you'll never move forward. And that's a great point. Yeah. And social media is only making this worse. Uh, You know, the authors of The Coddling of the American Mind pointed out how, Right now in universities, one of the things we're seeing is that, uh, in a way, a lot of people, if they're scared of something or they think they're going to be offended by it, they immediately, you know, uh, start saying, oh, that's a trigger. I can't talk about that. And what ends up happening is a lot of people just out of fear start fleeing from these things. And on social media, they'll actually spread the, hey, don't talk with this person. They'll say this, whatever. And so it's really sad because um, if they're... As a matter of fact, I, I think the author has actually even said social media is a place where ignorance is passed on mm. <laughs> because there's a lot of people not knowing what they're talking about. Yeah. Passing on. Hey, don't pay attention to this. Why? I don't know, but I just heard. 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's a really funny thing that's been happening where someone will take a picture, like, let's say it's like an elderly man or woman, and then they'll like accuse them and say, this is the person that did this, this, and this. And then right below it will be like, just kidding. I got this random photo, but you probably believed it because you saw it posted on social media. <laughs> we live in an age of outrage. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to get away from it. And, and you're absolutely right, Jonathan. It's, it's just endemic with social media, I think. Well, and it gets at this idea that when we talk about cancel culture, we're talking about two overlapping but different things. We're talking about holding people accountable and longing for justice for those who have actually done something really wrong. But then it's just this mindset of judgmentalism where we don't spend a lot of time gathering the facts. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about somebody's context. We just have this list of things that are that are forbidden. And, yeah. and the, it feels like the list is getting longer. Uh, and earlier we were talking about our response, you know, as Christians in this culture. I wonder if one of the things that we can do as Christians, and, and this gets at the Lecrae lyric you were talking about, is because we're aware of our own fallenness, we can respond with empathy, with humility. And depending on how close we are in relationship with somebody, we respond with both truth and grace, you know, yeah. and as we interact with our kids, hmm. we have opportunity to do both of those things. But, you know, depending on where somebody is at in relationship with somebody, uh, they may need to be a voice of truth or they may need to be a voice of grace. One of the things I saw this week and, and she has gone through her own cancellation is actress Lori Laughlin, who's been in a ton of stuff, Full House, Fuller House. And, and my family has been watching her in When Calls the Heart. Yeah. And she was involved in this scandal trying to get her girls into college, basically cheating. And now she's going to be going to prison for a couple months. And it's introduced this conversation with my daughters of, is she going to be back on the show? Because they don't really fully comprehend what's going on with her. And what an interesting question. You know, her offense probably doesn't rise anywhere near the level of some of these other people that we're talking about. But what does it look like for her to be rehabbed? Uh, well, you know, she is now suffering the consequences of what she did. And and I'd like to think maybe there could be a chance for a fresh start for her on the other side, but that's probably going to be dependent on her, on her attitude and how she comes out of that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, that's another really interesting case study culturally. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about um, holding someone accountable for their actions and canceling for them for something like horrific that they did. And on the other hand, canceling somebody because they have a different opinion. Yeah. And that's great something that's something that has been probably even stronger coming out. Like you don't agree with me. You don't agree with the masses and the majority. You are wrong. Your opinion is wrong. That statement in itself is ridiculous, but your opinion is wrong. And so you're done. Yeah. And back to what you were saying about social media, even as I scroll through my Facebook feed, Sometimes I'll find myself responding that way to people. I'm like, oh, I can't believe you think X on X issue. And they, I can categorize them in my head as not one of us, but one of them. And I think that's the real danger of cancel culture is it, that's good. it just creates this kind of tribality of you're either in our tribe or you're in the other tribe. And here we're not talking about celebrities. We're not talking about terrible crimes. We're talking about this us versus them mentality that seems to be permeating so much of our cultural conversation. And it was really brought home to me uh, a couple of weeks ago. My son was in uh, a, a group Instagram chat with a bunch of guys from his class. 
And one of them had put up um, something voicing support for a particular political candidate. And most of the rest of his class said, well, we don't even want to talk to you because you support this person. And my son stuck up for him and said, well, wait a minute, you know, does that mean we, you know, we can't still have a conversation with people whose ideas are different? And they immediately completely blocked out my son and a couple other people from this conversation. They canceled him because of, you know, a passing thing on the kid's Instagram page. And so this us versus them toxicity, I think is really trickling down to our kids in the way they relate to each other as well. It's also, Hmm. it's a lot easier to cancel someone instead of working through mess. And so I think that's a lot of times, and, and not for like really serious issues, hear what I'm saying. Like, it's so much easier to just say, I'm done with you. I don't want to address this. Whereas like I'm in counseling, I love counseling. And so if you like walk through any counseling session, usually if the counselor is good, they're like, Hey, we're going to deal with all of these issues and we're going to walk through it. Mm. And a lot of people that takes emotion that takes time and energy and effort. And many people just don't want to do that. It's too messy. Kristen nails it again on this podcast with the (laughs) phrase of the day. It's so much easier to cancel someone than to work through mess. Hmm. Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Well, and I think that that it gets back to a lack of relationship. And and ironically, when you're talking about social media, it pulls us in some ways out of relationship, or it can, because we become uh, a collection of likes and dislikes. Or us and them. Or us and them. And, mm. and, and mm. so because of that, we, we become so polarized and we, we fail to see the nuances that are just endemic in, in human lives. Mm. We fail to, to look at people as people. We put them in categories and close the door. And yeah. we, we feel that we have the right to become the final judge. And I would just be right. really careful about something like that because we don't. Well, and it seems like there are admonitions against condemning someone's character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we often hear the passage, you know, judge not lest you be judged. I'm lapsing into King James here. Um, (laughs) And I think we sometimes sometimes take that out of context. Uh, Elsewhere, Jesus said, you know, don't make a wrong judgment, but judge clearly. Yeah, Um, yeah. And so, but I think that the difference between rendering a judgment and condemning somebody is huge. Yeah. Cancer culture takes a step a big step beyond saying, I think what you did was maybe wrong or I don't agree with you to you are a bad person and I don't want to associate with you. That's totally different. You know, I, this is just a question and I don't want to derail anything that you're talking about, but but does COVID have something to do with the rage that we feel? Hmm. You know, I wonder sometimes whether because we're so locked down and, and because we don't see each other face to face as much, those relationships can be harder to preserve. And so the, the, the anxiety and, and, and the uncertainty that we feel can be deflected into rage and uncertainty at, at some of the people who we deal with. Well, and it, it just circles back to the importance of relationship, like you were talking about, Paul. And I think um, scripture calls us to be salt and light. You know, we're, we're to be that, that preservative, that, that point of illumination uh, at different times, we're called to be a voice of grace. We may be called to be a voice of truth. Uh, and all of those things require nuance. They require us paying attention. 
they're bigger than a soundbite. They're bigger than a tweet. They're bigger than a social media post. Uh, and so as our kids, you know, work through this and as we work through this, I think there's a call to humility here uh, and just to continue to be careful with our words, careful with our responses and understanding that we don't want to be adding to a, a culture of condemnation that, that Jesus calls mm-hmm. us to something bigger and something much better than that. Raising children today isn't easy. Navigating the perils of online influences can feel almost overwhelming at times as we strive to build healthy, strong relationships with our kids. And that's why Focus on the Family is here to help. Our new video-based program, Launch into the Teen Years, can help you create space for the conversations that will instill confidence and courage in your preteens as they take that next big step. You'll find information about it in the episode notes for today's show. And we've also just published a new book designed to equip you as parents in key areas such as adaptability, boundaries, love, respect, and intentionality. It's written by Danny Huerta, and it's called The Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. And for a gift of any amount to focus on the family today, we'll be happy to send you a copy of this brand new book as our thank you for being a part of the Plugged In Show family. Finally, as always, we would love to hear from you. So shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com and share your thoughts about today's show or any other topics you'd like to hear us talk about. And we'd love for you to leave a review or a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram too. Thanks so much for listening today and we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. Plugged In Show.